Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the podcast that helps companies become a great place to work for all because it's better for people, better for business, and better for the world. I'm Christopher Tkachuk, the Chief Content Officer at Great Place to Work. Each week, we meet with great leaders who have helped their companies become better workplaces by focusing on their best asset, their people, who in turn help their organizations become more successful. Support for Better comes from Genentech, a global leader in biotech and medicine and continues to be a longtime winner on Fortune's annual list of the 100 best companies to work for. I'm Greg Pryor. I have the incredible privilege and pleasure to look after uh, leadership and org effectiveness at Workday. My official title is the Senior Vice President, People and Performance Evangelist. Thank you, Greg. Welcome. Today we are at the Great Place to Work for All Summit 2019 in San Francisco at the Hilton downtown. I have the pleasure of uh, talking today with Greg Pryor. Greg, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So the theme of this year's uh, summit is inspiring or igniting innovation by all. So I wanted to start by asking you questions about what is Workday doing to inspire every employee to at least try to participate in innovation? No, absolutely. And so actually, uh, innovation is one of our six core values. It is really uh, absolutely central to our success in supporting our amazing customers around the world and, and all of the workers that uh, uh, and employees that work at those customers. And it's always been actually sort of a central part of how we think about the world. We were one of the earliest companies to embrace the idea of cloud computing and the power that we could actually uh, all benefit from having one line of code, if you will, that is distributed through uh, through cloud computing. So early use of cloud computing, then mobile computing and being sort of mobile first uh, and leveraging that innovation. So, so these ideas have actually always been sort of central to who we are, how we operate, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I think ultimately central to our success. So Workday delivers financial management, human capital management, and analytics applications designed for the world's largest companies. It has business, it has employees in dozens of countries around the world with more than 31 million customers that it serves through its uh, client companies. Workday has appeared on the Fortune 100 uh, Best Companies to Work For list uh, many years in a row, most recently coming in at number four. So congratulations. Yeah, Greg. thank you. We are, we are very, we're very excited and, 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 and very grateful that our employees uh, feel so strongly that we were you know, able to be recognized uh, at number four. Now, is this the highest that you've ever achieved? It is, list? yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, really special for us. We were, we had the privilege to be number seven last year. And so, uh, you know, a movement to number four was, uh, we, we had an excited, excited group of folks. Yeah, and how did you celebrate? Uh, so we actually, we celebrated with, uh, on, on the day of, we actually shipped cookies to all of our remote employees, which was like a logistical uh, uh, remote being, you know, sort of home office, because we wanted to be very inclusive of people, regardless of the context of where they work. So we we shipped uh, cookies with Workday logos to all of our home-based workers, of which there are quite a few. We also shipped boxes of cookies to uh, to all of our uh, locations in the U.S. And then we celebrated with cupcakes uh, uh, at our major Bay Area locations. Cupcakes typically don't don't uh, don't ship too easily. No, so, uh, it, but uh, it was super fun. My uh, my colleague uh, Sonia Rose uh, coordinated that, and it was super fun. We had people um, actually posting the arrival of their cookies at home via our Slack channel. And, and and just being really appreciative of uh, uh, you know of that and and it was Valentine's Day as well. It was. Uh, yeah. So uh, we got ever. a double. Yeah, we got sort of a double treat out of that. It yeah. was fun. When we were uh, discussing a great place to work about social media campaigns for the day, 
where they were thinking they could do a bunch of uh, images of hearts, you know, and then it, and I said, well, you know, that's going to last one day. And then, you know, <laughs> people are going to be seeing a lot of this content over the next year. So we have to think about not trying to tie the two Absolutely. together. It was just a nice coincidence. But. Yeah. No, one of our one of our sort of mottos is uh, uh, do what you love and love what you do. And so the whole idea of sort of love and Valentine's right. Day worked very nicely for us. So we we appreciated it. Great. Now, uh, according to the Great Place to Work Culture Trust Index survey that uh, Workday has, uh, employees have, have taken over the years, uh, most recently in which the numbers that help get Workday on the 100 best list are the fact that 95% of its employees say that it's a great place to work. That's the statement the, that sort of pulls together all of the other 60-odd questions that uh, employees are asked to respond to. Uh, 97% say that they feel good about the ways they contribute to the community. 96% say that they're proud to tell others that they work there. And another 96% have said that people celebrate special events around here. And you just explained one way that you do that. Yeah. No, we love our fun. We love our, we do love our celebration. You know, it's generally being an, a, mostly an engineering-oriented uh, or technology-oriented uh, organization. We, we, we tend to be, you know, pr- pretty serious and important, but, but fun is actually one of our values, uh, one of our six core values, and it's always been sort of the nature and sort of essence of Workday that not necessarily that company celebrates fun, but we celebrate fun with each other. We celebrate people's birthdays. We celebrate events, and so it's a, it's a very collegial organization. So in addition to the ranking on the 100 best, um, in January, we had announced that Workday is number two in our list of the best workplaces in technology for 2019. So congratulations again for that. Thank you. How did you celebrate that in any specific way, or you know that one we didn't we didn't actually celebrate. Uh, uh, you know we knew we knew the uh, you know the Valentine's Day celebration was coming up, and so uh, you know I think we just had some fun sort of Slack uh, channel communications, and uh, uh, we did celebrate. We uh, we have a couple of other you know internal media things that we that we celebrate on a nice note from our from our senior folks. But uh, yeah, we hold we hold the celebration for the uh, for some of the bigger the bigger items. Mm-hmm. So we sort of expect, when we're talking about technology companies, we expect that technology companies are constantly innovating, right? But not everyone who works for a tech company is doing, you know, software design or, you know, and doing project management. How are the, the support staff who work um, at Workday, how are they inspired to also uh, understand what it is the company is doing around innovation and how they can also be part of it? Yeah, no, I, I think to your point, I mean, one of the really neat things about being at such a, you know, such a sort of vibrant, uh, fast growth companies, it really gives all of our, what we would call our workmates or employees, the opportunity to innovate. And so I'll pick maybe a sort of a little bit of a crazy example, but members of my team actually recently applied virtual reality and augmented reality in the development of one of our learning programs. And so, uh, you know, I think we all have the opportunity and uh, our workplace colleagues are always doing interesting and exciting things to keep our workplace vibrant, our, our, our finance. I mean, not that you particularly want, you know, sort of much innovation in finance, but using our own technology around ways to, in, in, you know, engage people, our services colleagues and supporting. So I really do. I mean, I'm excited. I think that the vast majority of our folks uh, hopefully feel like they they have that opportunity. We welcome that opportunity and, and, and that helps us all scale and, you know, and grow our company. We've already talked about how you recognize and celebrate um, people. I want to know more about, if you can think of a specific example about uh, uh, someone who's a fantastic performer. Uh, they either uh, achieved a, or went above and beyond achieving a goal. How do you call them out? And is there somebody that you want to recognize today? I know you already mentioned uh, one of your colleagues talking about the cupcakes and yeah, the cookies yeah, and all yeah. that. <laughs> 
No, I think we, we do a couple of things. Uh, again, uh, recognition is really important to us. We appreciate uh, that. And so there are things, we have a whole variety of different types of recognitions. We recognize teams and we have a, a team award and we celebrate those team awards at our company meeting. We have what we call an outstanding contributor award for individual, you know, and an amazing contribution. We actually have an innovators award. We identify people and, and celebrate people and recognize people. Actually, we, we put their names on a plaque and uh, they are recognized as well, you know, at, at our company meeting. And so, you know, I would also say that for some people, you know, we're also very sensitive to the fact that there are some people who like public recognition. And there are many people, especially in an engineering or technology oriented uh, company, who would actually shy away from that and prefer not to uh, have the public recognition. And we're equally supportive of that. We actually, as part of our leadership or people leadership training, we actually do help people understand our people leaders to really recognize and appreciate it. What would be most meaningful to that person? And so maybe they would like a big recognition or or maybe that that, that private recognition is going to be, you know, is going to be more meaningful to them. So I think really meeting people where they are and thinking about what's right for them. Yeah, I'm definitely in the in the latter category. I uh, anytime that I've ever had, you know, a compliment from a coworker or a boss, my response is always, "I'm just doing my job." You know, and I try to do it well every day. But what I'm curious about, though, is how do you sort of understand the different types of personalities? If you want to recognize someone, do you typically go directly to their manager to say, how do you think this person would react? Is it part of your surveying process? I mean, Workday, as I know, as I understand it, is now doing, uh, what is it, Feedback Friday? Feedback Friday. Yeah. So yeah, so every Friday, we ask all of our workmates to get feedback from them. And so we've actually, we've done this for actually quite quite a while now, uh, originally partnering with Great Place to Work, a big, big fan of Michael and the entire team here. And uh, we, we initially worked together and were really inspired by the good work you all had done. So we take 34 of the Great Place to Work 56 questions. We, uh, two a week, we curate through Workday Survey Technology. And so uh, every Friday morning, all of our workmates around the, the world receive two questions. It takes, gosh, no more than 15 seconds to complete two radio buttons. And that actually allows us and enables us to have now more than a half a million data points to really get a sense of what the sentiment, what are our employees' experience. And then we actually curate the aggregated summary of that back to all of our people leaders. And so they get a sense of where they can continue to improve or level up the way they're supporting. So one of those questions is around recognition. And so, uh, you know, we may have a people leader who then, you know, the team feels like, gosh, getting special recognition would be something we would appreciate more of. And so then we actually connect that to our workday learning technology and curate learning videos that help people understand how we think about that, what some of the best practices are, and how they can uh, help people feel recognized and appreciated for their good work. So I'm, I'm curious just because I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, not every day is the best day for, for every employee. You know, sometimes we screw up, you know. Have you seen or heard of examples from your colleagues where something didn't go right or a project was late? You know, missed a deadline or whatever, and you just know the responses on the coming Friday are going to be terrible. I mean, do you do you get that in, in anticipation sometimes from some of your coworkers? No, or? you know, I think I think what I have found interesting to your point though is, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I've been doing this type of work for long enough that I, I come from sort of previous eras of of how we think about this, and so you know, in my career. I would typically participate in, you know, annual, let's say, you know, what we would have called engagement surveys. 
what we now do, because we, we go every 17 weeks in what we sort of call a culture sprint, every 17 weeks we get a, a pretty good sense of where the employee experience is. And what I will tell you, at least when, I, when we have a chance to look at the data, that um, uh, it is much, much more dynamic than I would have expected. And so what we see is that that sentiment, to your point, is changing much more frequently than, than we would have anticipated or expected. And so for me, what I take away from that is, we got to be on our game every day, that every day we have these moments that matter as a people leader, that we need to be saying, what am I doing today? Because, you know, literally, uh, you know, every day people are forming impressions about that, about that workplace. So, so I, hope, I hope I know for me, you know, that inspires me to, to be doing my best every day. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech a biotechnology company dedicated to the rigorous pursuit of science and the discovery and development of breakthrough medicines for people with serious diseases. Recognized as one of Fortune's 100 best companies to work for for more than two decades, Genentech cultivates an environment where scientific innovation thrives and where each person feels valued, included, and able to contribute their best for patients. Learn more at gene.com. So my question for you about the um, participation rate of the 10,200 employees you have globally, what percentage of them are actually uh, filling out the survey every every week? Yeah, so actually every week about 55% of our workmates complete that. And then overall about 75% of people participate uh, overall. So they may not participate every single week, right. uh, which is okay. You know, but for us, I really think it gives us, again, it gives us a good sense of, uh, you know, across generation, across gender, across geography what the what the sentiment uh, of our folks is and and for us that's a big part of being a great place to work for all what we want to see is that uh, that there's a consistency that men aren't having a different better worse experience than women or that Millennials aren't having a better worse experience than you know than Gen Xers and so for us that's the way we've really thought about this idea of a great place to work for all is we want people to be having a a consistent experience ideally a great and remarkable experience but but also it's important for us to have a consistent consistent experience across across the context of difference. Yeah. And, and when you're uh, looking at the results of these surveys, and if you're seeing that there's a particular group of people, or uh, whether it be age level, or age group, or it could be a certain segment of the business that's not having a very positive experience, or at least that it's, it's, their experience is changing. Yeah. How are you then working with either the management, uh, the managers of those teams or of those groups of people how are you sort of messaging them and saying, oh, your numbers were a little low this week? Can you Do you ask them what happened or do you say you need to fix this number? Yeah. So I think it's a couple. I think it's a couple of things. So first and foremost, um, we really look to each of our each of our people leaders to uh, sort of look after their own uh, beach as a lifeguard, if you will. And so we actually do as long as our people leaders get at least three responses to really focus on reliability and anonymity. Each people leader will get a result for their team. And so we actually update those results every two weeks. And so we're constantly refreshing. We don't want people to become overly consumed with it and watch, you know, daily movement. But we refresh that data every two weeks. And then every 17 weeks, we actually, again, inspired by the work that uh, you all at Great Place to Work, we've adopted uh, and embraced your idea of, of employee experience levels. So every 17 weeks, once we've completed a culture sprint, we have a sense of having, uh, you know, our folks having answered all the questions. We actually look and say, what are the, the distribution of employee experience levels? 
And so that allows us to help each people leader sort of in a more consumable way understand the general sentiment uh, of their employees. So that's at the first line level. But then what we're doing across using some of our technology, what we're able to see. So as an example, I was in Paris last week and I was able to literally actually on the on the train from Brussels to Paris, I was able to jump on my laptop and be able to prepare to talk to our workmates in our Paris office. We have about 124 workmates in our Paris office. And what I was able to do was compare Pleasanton to Paris. And so it was important for us that the experience in Paris is consistent to our headquarters in Pleasanton, California. And how did those numbers look? Yeah, they were actually incredibly consistent. Yeah. You know, but to your point, that's where we from a, a we call our HR organization People and Purpose. That's where our our People and Purpose colleagues, our talent analytic colleagues, you know, and our senior leaders then are looking at those aggregated results and saying, so where are there opportunities uh, opportunities to improve? And we do see we we see it becomes very very specific. I was in London not too long ago, and we noticed that there was an opportunity specifically around in involving people in decision-making that our women weren't feeling as strong as our men, that they were involved in decision-making. And so I not only shared that with the whole office as part of seeing that data, but then encouraged the senior leaders in that office, our people leaders, and our colleagues. You know, this is not something that just leadership does. This is as a colleague, if I know that maybe people aren't feeling as involved, what can I do as an individual, as a sort of peer or workmate? And so we are pretty transparent about this because we think that the opportunity to improve is is for all of us. You've mentioned diversity already, and I'm, I'm just curious from a bigger picture question, you know, looking at the tech industry, you know, there's been a lot of uh, stories written by journalists about, you know, um, companies that are not hiring enough women in, in both leadership roles, but also in just basic, you know, software design roles. Uh, and you've, I've, I've actually interviewed uh, some executives of tech companies in the past who have said, well, there's just not the talent there. Or if you're asking why are your numbers of, of uh, African-Americans or Latino-Americans, why are these numbers so low? And in I don't accept that as a as an answer. I don't believe it, and and I just think that you know one of the things that Workday really focuses on is its diversity, and I, and I I want to I want you to talk a bit about that. When did this become part of the cultural conversation for for Workday? Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a great credit, and it's such an important topic. You know, again, that's why we are such big fans of the work that you, you know you and Michael and others are doing because we think it's such an important topic. So I, I'd say a couple of things. One, I think it's always been sort of part of the ethos and the nature of Workday to to have high respect, to that sense of belonging, that sense of uh, you know that sense of inclusion. You know, I think I think you know when you look at at our numbers specifically at the most senior levels, we have uh, amazing representation from a gender perspective, especially in our uh, in our engineering populations many many of our, our most senior product and technology leaders uh, are women from a gender perspective a few years ago I think we doubled down with uh, the hiring of our chief diversity officer my good friend and colleague Karen Taylor who I know uh, was in a fortune magazine article uh, uh, profiled her not too long ago mm-hmm. Karen's work has been amazing and then the uh, work of my good friend and colleague Carrie Varakia who looks after a big part of how we think think about our communities and philanthropy. She has done, I think, some of the most amazing work in actually looking beyond the traditional sources for talent and her work and the team's work with organizations like Year Up that can tap into uh, 
uh, underrepresented minority populations, perhaps those populations that don't have a sort of the typical career path. She's done amazing work in working with veterans, and we have a very active veteran community. And so there's a large program that her team is looking at that we call uh, Opportunity On-Ramps. And so we're actually, and what I love about the work they're doing, we're actually creating nurturing these on-ramps that maybe historically weren't available or weren't so classically available to people and giving people opportunities to prove themselves. And uh, so I think, again, we need to to help nurture and develop those opportunities. We need to be intentional and provide, you know, role, role models. And all that said is there's still tons and tons of good work to be done there. You touched on a lot of really interesting points because um, when you look at a bunch of the best workplaces lists, that great place to work compiles for both Fortune and then there's now the um, People Magazine Companies That Care list, Workday appears on nearly all of them, you know, which is really impressive. The 100 Best Workplaces for Women, you come in at number three. The Best Workplaces for Diversity, you come in at number 11. And this is, you know, in the U.S. But to have such high numbers, you know, is is very impressive. And it speaks to your uh, number four ranking on the the overall 100 Best list. Talk. Let's talk about a little bit about the philanthropy uh, yeah, issue. Yeah. So, you're also in the best workplaces for giving back <laughs> for, for, for Fortune. What really helps inspire your employees to want to give back to the community? Yeah, I. You know, here's my take. And, and again, I'm I'm not as close to this work as my as my great uh, my great workmates and colleagues. Uh, I I think it's just fundamentally in the nature or the DNA of who our people are. These are people, and and we see that uh, we see that in supporting our customers. Our our, our two founders, uh, Dave and Anil, always believed that happy employees equal happy customers, and so really, almost as principle, as a first principle, they have nurtured this sense that if we hire and attract and retain and support people who care about each other who care about our customers, who care about the impact that they can make uh, in the world, that that is good for business. Again, similar to the good work that you all are doing, what is good for people is, is also good for business. I think, though, what's interesting is that just naturally translates into people who want to support our communities, who want to. And, and you know, this starts a, a tone at the top. Dave and Anil, as our, as our two co-founders, were always uh, amazing individuals at giving back uh, personally. They're both involved in, in amazing philanthropic and charity-based organizations and play very active roles. And so I think it's just the nature of the people we hire. And then we give them the space to do what they what they naturally want to do, which is uh, which I think is super special. So there must have been some point in your own career where you either had a turning point or a moment, a light bulb going off, where you just thought, "Oh, the culture is what a company needs to focus on." You know, what what did that happen for you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll maybe take that a slightly different way. I think it's a great question, and it, this actually was a very recent realization. I. I feel incredibly grateful and lucky that I've had a chance to work in my whole career with with very culture centric, particularly you know, uh, a sort of people centric cultures. Because I've always worked in in talent centric work, where that really matters. And again, I, I feel very lucky. What was interesting for me is recently, though. I realized how I have been sort of living in a bubble of such an amazing culture. <laughs> and it, it's almost like that point where you, you know, I've almost become a little bit desensitized to how sharp or non-people-centric other cultures can be. And I've had just a couple of recent opportunities where I've been interacting with some, you know, just some outside companies. You know, we what I was able to see in working with them is uh, is sort of, you know, where where were they maybe not as people-centric? And, and again, 
I think that what's important about culture is that you're intentional. So you may very intentionally have a non-people-centric culture. That's not personally for me, but what I, uh, what I think people should do when they think about culture is they should be intentional. They should say, listen, this is what we stand for. These are our belief systems. This is what we value. And for me, absolutely no judgment around that. I personally think that working for more people-centric cultures is right for me and, and that that creates sort of the psychological safety that one can, do, uh, one can do innovation. But it was interesting for me, I've had the sort of the other observation that I've had the, the chance to work in such an amazing culture at Workday that it's actually helpful for me to get outside the bubble to feel, you know, yeah. to feel like, hey, the world is a very different and diverse space. Sometimes I think that some of our workmates who come directly out of university, they actually have not had the contrasting experience. They don't know what it's like to work uh, in a place that's not so, you know, that's not so people-centric. So, uh, you know, I think I've always thought culture is important, and but recently I've had some experiences where it's just reinforced and, and uh, helped me understand, you know, gosh, there is such diversity of employee experience out there. You know, the amount of data that Workday has access to because of its relationships with more than 2,000 companies who employ 31 million people. You know, you get special insight as to uh, what was going on, right? Uh, from from the you know financial management perspective, from the people management perspective. Have any of your client companies approached you or any of your other uh, colleagues, Anil or Dave, or and just said, you know, how is Workday succeeding? in its in its uh, efforts around making a great workplace for all. You already are an inspiration just by the fact that you have these, this success, but are they turning to you since they know already that you have this relationship, this partnership by using your, 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 your services? Or? Yeah, no, I think it's a great, I think it's a great question. I, I, first of all, we do not have access to our, to our customers information. That's their information. Okay. And so, uh, that's, that's just important. Thank and, you and for it's always been, me. yeah, no, yeah. it's always been important. And, uh, and that, that is their, you know, that is their, and we, we safeguard and support that. And, and, but that's their data to have. But I do think what's interesting is because we see ourselves and we've always seen ourselves as part of a broader community. And so even if it's a, our, our annual user conference, which is called Workday Rising, has the fundamental sort of uh, ethos that we rise together. And, and that's sort of the idea of being uh, a cloud-based company where we all do are, are on the same line of code, that we have the same capabilities. So when uh, you know one of our great customers has a brilliant idea to uh, improve our functionality, we all benefit from that. You know, our colleagues at Workday benefit from that. To give you a really specific example, um, one of our, our great customers had this uh, exciting need to talk about for their employees the different types of opportunities in their workplace. And we engaged with them, we worked with them, our product teams continued to build that out. And we actually created one of our features called our Career Opportunity Graph came out of that work. And it's one of my favorite features, it's one of our most popular features at Workday where people can see the different opportunities from their perspective. It literally puts our workmate or employee in the center and it shows where have other people moved from the role that you're in. So it takes a very sort of user-centric, but that came from a, a collaborative effort with one of our great customers to uh, to do that. So what's neat for me is, yes, I mean, I'm always happy as Workday to share what we've done with our customers, but what I'm even more excited about is when we get our communities together at events like Workday Rising or at our various user groups around the world, our community of, of customers are coming together and supporting each other. And uh, I think that's, you know, talk about innovation for all, that's beyond the walls of Workday, if you will, to involve innovation from all of our customers. 
What has been your biggest challenge since you took this job? Yeah, so um, I, I remember it actually very, very clearly. Again, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege to work at Workday, especially in my role. And about three and a half years ago, we started to see some weak signals given our dramatic growth that our culture was beginning to dilute a little bit. You know, actually, Anil, uh, last year at the Great Place to Work conference uh, here in the U.S. talked about this. And, uh, and we began to see, see some of those weak signals. And we actually saw them, interestingly enough, from the outside. We saw our Great Place to Work rating. We debuted at, at number 22, and we were very you know, privileged for that. And then we fell to number 31 in the next year. We saw some of our Glassdoor results uh, not be as glowing as they had historically been. You all uh, turned to us and said, hey, you're a fantastic place to work but you've got some opportunity for improvement and let's talk about that. So we saw those weak signals come in and, you know, Anil and the senior leadership team were incredibly clear, not on my watch. You know, our culture is so central to our success. And so, uh, you know, we faced a, a bit of a, of a challenge there to say, how do we nurture and sustain our culture while the company is growing? And so that's what actually inspired Feedback Friday was the ability to say we need to have a consistent and constant you know, finger on the pulse of how our people feel. We actually brought all of our, at the time, our top uh, 450 leaders in the company, which we had never done together for a people leadership summit, where every single member of our senior leadership team got on stage and said, let's talk about why people and culture are important. We had never done that as a company as bring all of our senior leaders together. And obviously in that meeting, we could have talked about other things. We could talk about tech, we could talk about innovation, we could talk about you know, our business. And we were, we were clear, Anil was super clear, what, what we do first is we talk about people and culture. And if we get that right, all of those other things will will naturally come. And so we spent two days. In just a few weeks, we'll actually be doing our fourth People Leadership Summit. It's been four years since we've done that, and we're going to bring any one of our new people leaders to the company will come together here in San Francisco in a couple of weeks, and there'll be 750 new people leaders oh, wow. who have not yet attended a summit, and they will, again, hear from every member of our senior leadership team why people and culture is important. And, you know, I just think that creates such a convincing decision for people. It provides incredible clarity and intentionality. We're going to have to wrap up very soon, but I do have to ask you, you know, you, you said that you were traveling in France last week and went to Paris. And that you were talking with a journalist. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she sort of, I guess, stumbled upon your your job title, which is People and Performance Evangelist. So I stumbled on it, too. It's like, <laughs> oh, we have an evangelist among us. So how did you get that title? Is it, did you make it up yourself or was it something that, that, uh, uh, Yes. Neil said you need to be our evangelist. No, or? no, no. So I, I will tell you, I did make it up myself. We, we, we had the opportunity as, uh, as my role continued to evolve. And what we really actually tapped into is my, my love and my passion. Uh, I'll, I know we don't have too much time, so I'll, I'll be short on this. But I do think that we are nine years into the third age of human capital management, that from the 1930s to the 1970s was the, was the age of personnel. From the 1970s to 2010 was the age of HR. And I think we've entered this third age of human capital management. It is an exciting time. It's a time, maybe a, a once in a generation, if not once in a lifetime opportunity for people who are in the human capital space, for business leaders to create this next generation. And so it's probably fitting that I do show up and feel like I am an evangelist 
for how we unlock and unleash people's capability at work and how we can create you know, best places to work where people can do their best work, where people can thrive and can create the type of innovation that, you know, that fuels our economy. So it's probably more of a, a reflective title that I do feel very passionate, very energized about you know, the opportunities that, that we now have to, uh, to enable our people to have great, you know, remarkable workdays. Okay, I have time for one last question, which sure. is, what is the best advice you've ever received? Business advice. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, I've I've been very lucky and gotten lots of, of great business advice. I, I will I will pick on more more of a recent piece of advice. Uh, Dave Dutfield, who is who is one of our co-founders, shared with me not too long ago. He said, you know, gosh, it's so important to get into the field to meet with our workmates to see what's happening that we can sort of get into a bubble, sort of back at you know back at headquarters. And uh, I, you know, I said to Dave, I said, well, you know, I actually meet with a lot of customers at at our customer center. And he said, no, no, it's not about your customer center, go out into the field. And so, as I mentioned last week, I was in five countries in Europe and I was so grateful to Dave's advice. You know, there were things that didn't necessarily surprise me, but really sharpened the saw for me on once I had a chance to, you know, meet with our workmates in Munich or meet with our customers in uh, Amsterdam or in France, it just clarified where where things were going really well and where there were opportunities. And so I was just really, uh, again, more of a recency experience, Dave's advice to get into the field, meet people, meet our customers. It's such a privilege in my role that I get a chance to do that. And, and after, again, being in Europe last week and hearing what's working for our customers, hearing where our opportunities, as well as meeting with our workmates, I was so grateful for his reinforcing to say, you know, Get into the field, meet with our customers, meet with our, you know, meet with our workmates, where, meet them where they are. And, uh, and it's just with such wonderful advice. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Greg. Thanks for joining us at Better. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, bye. You've been listening to Better by Great Place to Work, the podcast that helps everyone create better workplaces because it's better for people, better for business, and better for the world. Better is generously sponsored by Genentech a global leader in biotech and medicine that ranks among the world's best employers. Tell us about your great workplace experiences by finding us on social media. We can be reached on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at greatplacetowork underscore US. Also tell your friends about Better by Great Place to Work, which can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts.